Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast with Stephanie. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is Season 4, Episode 85. In this episode, I am reviewing different brands of hand embroidery threads and styles of embroidery threads. And all of these threads I have used um, and tested. But first, I have a few formalities. I've got a private Mighty Networks group called Make and Decorate Friends. A lot of you have joined already. Thank you so much. And uh, the link is in the show notes or you can just search Make and Decorate Friends uh, in the Mighty Networks website. If you love the show and you would like to support the podcast, consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. You will receive a bonus podcast every month. Finally, be sure to subscribe to the Make and Decorate podcast so you do not miss an episode because all of you support the podcast just by listening each and every episode. I'm truly grateful for all of you. And this season four has been great. And it's almost coming to an end. Uh, The last episode will be running towards the end of May. And then I'll be on a break until season five resumes. uh, And probably around mid September, early October timeframe. For those of you new to the podcast, I start out with the chit chat segment and the second segment is the main topic of the episode, which is either a conversation I have with a guest or my own presentation of the main topic at hand, which today is review on embroidery threads. If you prefer only the main topics or guest interviews, fast forward about 20, 25 minutes in to get to that segment. Otherwise, enjoy my chit chat on sewing and crafty projects. I do talk about the weather, gardening, podcast and uh, streaming recommendations. Today, I've got um, quite a few of what I'm watching recommendations or reviews. All right, so let's get started to chat. Here we go. All right, well, we might as well start with the weather. <laughs> Spring is really being timid on really like getting in here, getting in here strong. And winter has just elbowed its way back in. Yesterday we had snow. Yeah, mid April snow. It's cold again. We all had to switch back to our winter coats. Uh, and, um, it's supposed to be back. Um, it's supposed to be not back, but it's supposed to get up to 70 on the weekend. We shall see. Uh, but this, this back and forth is, um, kind of annoying because the trees are blooming and there are just beautiful magnolia blooms and flowers, uh, everywhere. The forsythia yellow flowers on the bushes. My daffodils have come up. And this snow just wilted a lot of it. Oh, it's just heartbreaking. However, the daffodils are pretty, pretty uh, hardy. 
So um, some of them are kind of like hanging in there and some of them haven't even bloomed yet. But yeah, that's kind of like a really mean thing for winter to do in April. <laughs> All right, let's start also with a garden update. My seedlings are doing well, except I'm making all of those rookie mistakes. I, you know, I'm trying not to panic um, and I'm just kind of correcting as I go. I left the humidity domes on a little too long and they are starting to get a little leggy, the seedlings. And I haven't thinned out some of them that where, like, for instance, the chamomile seeds, they're really tiny. And I just like sprinkled a bunch on, on the, um, uh, the seed starting tray. And there's a bunch of them up. So uh, I was hoping that they would grow a little larger and then I could kind of like break them into separate plants uh, I'm not so sure, but I am going to do that with some of them because I already did it with the cucumber vines and I was able to save all of those seedlings. There weren't that many because uh, the seeds are larger, so it's easier to, to control how many you put into the soil. Next task is to do some of the transplanting. Um, and I got a new LED um, plant light it has three adjustable arms and it has a clip or a clamp and I just clipped it to the windowsill behind the uh, seedling tray and it has uh, the blue and red light setting which is apparently what the sun has. It has the red and blue colors uh, that promote, um, they promote different things, the red and the blue one is better for vegetables and the other is good for blooms. I don't understand all the science to it, but that's what it is. And that's what I got. <laughs> it's working pretty well, almost too well, because the the seedlings are growing too fast for me to keep up with uh, going on to the next step. We also got a raised bed from Costco with casters for our deck. And uh, this will be for the lettuces, spinach, and arugula seeds that I got. And as always, I did a ton of research on this. If you're thinking of getting a raised bed for your patio or deck, uh, here are some of the things that I was particularly looking for. One of it was wood and uh, the type of wood. I really love cedar and cedar is one of the best uh, water resistant, rot resistant woods out there. It's also more expensive though. Uh, there's another wood, fir, uh, and it's also rot resistant. Uh, and aesthetically, these woods look really nice. Another thing is self watering. This uh, raised planter that I got has a self watering uh, feature. There's a raised plastic base at the bottom with lots of holes that allows the water to be absorbed up into the soil and the roots of the plants. I really like that. And a plus to this is that it has a tube that comes up out of the planter and it has a cute, cute flower 
Bobby, Bob type thing. Um, it's it's shaped of, in a flower and it bobs up and down based on the amount of water that has been um, put into the planter. And you also water the planter through in this tube. So you just kind of hold the watering can or the hose and pour the water directly into that spout. And then uh, the water level indicator, which is this flower bob, will rise up. Um, and I like that because it, it's a nice indication of how much water is in there. Uh, and what else? The raised height is really nice. There's there's no breaking your back and bending, and it's easy to tend to keeps the pets away and other animals like rabbits away from ear lettuce plants. And then another plus on this particular one we got were casters. So it can be easily moved around uh, if we choose to. Um, and even in putting it away for the season, casters are really nice for that. The things to be aware of are thin, cheap, in, imported wood or pine. Uh, read the reviews. I read a lot of reviews and they are very helpful. And people are posting more and more photos. I love that because they will show the condition of the wood when they've received it. They'll show the cracks and so forth. So the reviews are really good to take a look at. And then there's other options. Uh, there was a really pretty like faux wicker raised bed. And I thought that one was nice too. But I really liked the the cedar wood one or the pine wood. I think the one we have is not cedar, but it's Canadian fir. It's very there's it's thick wood. It's beautiful. It has like steel legs, which gives it a contemporary uh, twist to a more traditional rustic design. I like that transitional. It's got clean lines, but yet it's still warm with the wood. Uh, there are all metal raised planters. There's galvanized metal uh, and those, and there's some that are very contemporary looking modern. So if that's your style, that's available out there as well. All right, moving into sewing. I got my Tana Lawn fabric for my wedding outfit. I love it. It's really so beautiful. And then I ordered a little bit more, but I had to wait. You, you guys should have seen me. I was checking back almost daily because it went right back up to the regular price. And there was a very limited amount of that fabric left. So I was like, oh boy, what, what am I going to do? Because I don't want to lose this fabric, but the yardage amounts I need to order regular price is just, you know, out of the range. I kept checking back and voila, it went back on sale. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like three and a half more yards, click send. <laughs> uh, so thank goodness it was meant to be. I'm very glad. I am thinking of making a a tank top that will layer under the cardigan sweater that cashmere and I don't know why I always forget the name of it but you know what I'm talking about the cashmere uh cardigan and uh the short version so I've got options now and I also got the sweater fabric 
It's a ribbed sweater knit, and it's in that deeper plummy color, but it's um, kind of uh, variegated very slightly. I like it because it it's it doesn't look like a flat color, a flat dark color. It's got little flecks of the lighter shades of uh, of the plum color, and so hopefully I don't mess it up. <laughs> I, I am going to to make some muslins. I'm just going to make make a skirt and um, out of less expensive fabric. And if it goes well, I'm going to wear it. And if it doesn't go well, I'll adjust it so that, so that it can be wearable, hopefully. Uh, and then I will make notes and pattern changes from making that one. It's not the right way, but it's the way I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, until I get better at it. I don't know. It's it's the only, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't, <laughs> I want my time to be productive into something that can be worn. Basically, that's my my thought process there. Which is a long-winded way to say I don't want to make a muslin out of actual muslin fabric that you don't wear. It's it's that real thin kind of natural looking uh, cotton that's uh, used a lot to make the traditional muslin practices before the real deal. The fabric I got for my muslin is a pretty nice fabric. It's a lawn fabric. So I am also getting a fabric where the uh, fiber and the weight of the fabric is similar, if not the same as Tanalon. So it's a lawn fabric. It's Kaufman lawn fabric. And I got It's really beautiful. It's a um, cotton lawn fabric and it's got a painterly stroke uh, design on the fabric that looks like what uh, to me, it looks like impressionist flower petals or just little paint strokes in um, in a nice color palette uh, where there's yellows, pinks, and periwinkle, which I uh, attained another goal that I wanted to do this year, which is to make something to wear out of the Pantone color of the year, very peri or periwinkle. I am going to make a shirt to go with this muslin waddle curve skirt. And I'm going to make the dolman top out of a knit fabric with the little tie feature in the front. There's two different styles that you can make from that cashmere pattern. I got, it's also Kaufman knit fabric and it it's a periwinkle color. The color name that they gave it is cornflower. And what's really nice with the Kaufman fabrics is that their color palettes work with each other so you can make a complete outfit if you want to so this this cotton lawn uh, fabric palette has the periwinkle in it and so they also had the knit with that periwinkle it was great done I love it uh, so that is what I'm going to start with um, to make a muslin, even though I'm not going to wear the, the dolman to the wedding. It's just something that I can, you know, have a full outfit to wear for summer. I'm looking forward to getting back to sewing clothes for myself. When I began quilting several years ago, I pushed 
uh, clothing sewing to the back burner. Uh, I made clothes for my nieces and nephews, uh, my husband, and uh, because there was just a really limited um, style and, and number of patterns out there in my size range. The patterns that were out there were just shapeless and matronly. And I'm talking about the big four sewing books. Um, and it was just, it just, none of it appealed to me. And I am so happy when Cashmerette launched, Jenny Rushmore launched Cashmerette, her pattern business. She was pretty much one of the first ones. She's probably, I don't know if she is the first one, but she's one of the first that designed patterns for curvier and uh, more plus sized um, fitting. Uh, and uh, her options, I mean, actually, so what she kind of started just really paved the way. And now there are so many pattern companies out there that either have added extended sizes to their existing collections and others who, um, you know, that's, that's the market that they make patterns for. But really, I think that now it's starting to become standard where a lot of these independent pattern companies just offer the full range and they will just kind of divide it like Megan Nielsen has the zero to 20 um, pattern and she'll just um, have a different set of patterns for what she calls the curve. So every, like for instance, the waddle skirt regular is for zero to 20. The waddle curve skirt is the 12 through whatever, 32 or whatever, which is nice. Yeah, so these these patterns are so much better now. They're beautiful and they've got princess seams. They play on the hemlines, play with the fullness and shape and contemporary flattering styles. So I think it's going to be a lot more fun for me to sew some of my own clothes. And Cashmerette, okay, they recently launched a subscription club where they release a free pattern every month to members. And I have been eyeing it since January, kind of keeping tabs on the newsletters and the postings of pictures that people were making from, you know, the pattern of the month. I think the first month was this cute bomber jacket. Uh, and because I really wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. But the nice thing is, is that y you can join and cancel anytime. Uh, and it's so you could just like try it out. And if you don't like it, then you just cancel and you don't continue. Uh, they have three different levels. So I did the middle one. I was <laughs> I was on the fence between because the first level uh just um, you just get the pattern uh, and the second level you get the pattern plus you get there's a video uh, a tutorial video every month and I think there's also a monthly uh, webinar zoom type of a thing 
but you only start with getting the pattern the month that you joined going forward. So then they have a third level, which is, you know, these prices go up incrementally. The third level is an all access. When you join at that level, you will get all of the patterns in the library that has been released up to that point. Uh, and that's the only real difference going forward. I didn't do that one. I was on the fence of that, but I looked at, first of all, it's only just started. So there are probably are three patterns I'm missing. And I, I don't see the need right now to, um, to do that, to get those, because I'm not going to make them anytime soon. However, also another reason is that I really just wanted to try it out. I will do a proper review of it when I have fully tested it out, but I can say on day one, I watched the tutorial of the month and it <laughs> that alone was already worth the price of admission for me. But I'm going to continue to note my experience of the subscription and present it to you in a future episode of the podcast. In addition, if you have comments or questions, you can leave me a voicemail on my podcast page at makeanddecorate.com. You can DM me on Instagram or email info at makeanddecorate.com. So if you want me, if you have questions and you want me to cover a specific um, topic of this uh, subscription that I'm reviewing, then let me know. The only quilt I am working on right now is the commissioned king-size Irish chain quilt. This pattern has you cut, pre-cut all of the pieces before sewing, and it takes forever, ever and ever and ever, it feels like, except for some piece with the fabric strips that you stitch together. But then after those are stitched together, you subcut those into little, 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 little two and a half by four and a half inch pieces. Uh, and so if I, I'm finally done with that part of the quilt, like the main design and now I have to cut out all of the background fabric pieces. Those I looked at and a lot of them are subcut from four and a half inch wide strips. I decided to uh, get the four and a half inch die from HecuQuilt so that I could at least do those first cuts on the die cutter machine. It really does speed up the process. When I was able to do the two and a half inch strips from the die cut machine. It really um, took no time. It's just that when it's the, the die cut is only good for certain sizes and those are usually the more popular sizes. So whenever you have to do all of these odd size cuts, then you're back to doing them with your rotary cutter and the mat or maybe with that strip cutting template. I use it all. I try to get be as accurate uh, and efficient as possible. All right. Then I'm also in the first month of the Quilt Folks 2022 block of the month. April is month one, and I have been working on that block um, during the evenings. Of course, I make this more time-consuming than it needs to be. However... I'm enjoying it because, first of all, there's no rush, and 
It can take the full month to make one block. And the point of, I think, this block of the month is to be more um, uninhibited and free and artistic. Kind of get your mind outside of the box. It's a lot of um, improv- improvisational um, design that you're doing. Every person that is participating in this is making their own version of a book cover design. Uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> the the design that I'm making is a childhood book that it's a series actually, but it's a book that I love so much. Ramona and Beezus by Beverly Cleary. I think I read those books over and over. They were just so much fun. And me being the older sister could totally relate. <laughs> um, and that is a book cover I'm doing. There are different styles of these book covers. So I'm actually doing the blue and yellow version of this book cover. It's a lot of fun. I'm really having some fun with it. Um, and it's weird. It's... Um, it, I was realizing that I have been really into hand embroidery now. And that's a technique that I'm doing in this first block. I'm doing some applique and hand embroidery. And hand embroidery has replaced my evening winter knitting. I used to do the knitting in the evenings. And now I'm doing a lot more hand embroidery. And it's really funny how certain things have their season with me. And this is why I would find it difficult to focus solely on one creative discipline. Uh, just, f- I mean, this, just for this reason, I, I kind of seasonally switch out. I love learning new things. That's why this gardening and starting season door is exciting because it's it's brand new and um, it, it just feels good to be learning a new craft. All right, so we're at this segment. I think I'm naming it Watch and Listen, what I'm watching and listening to. So let's start with Netflix. There's a new new show out called Anatomy of a Scandal. Uh, I think it's a British show. Netflix now has um, originals shows made for them from lots of different countries And this one has Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey, Orlando Bloom, um, the woman from, I don't know her her real name, but she is from All Creatures Great and Small. She is the, um, I don't even know, she kind of like is in charge of the house um, that the, um, the main characters live in in All Creatures Great and Small. So she's in this. It's really cool. I recognized her right away, but I couldn't place her for about a couple minutes. And then I was like, All Creatures Great and Small! (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's kind of thing that you just do. Like the thought comes into your head and you just blurt it out. That's what I do. On Apple TV Plus. Oh, wait a second. Oh my gosh. I'm so bad at this. Okay, back up. So she's from All Creatures Great and Small, and Sienna Miller is uh, one of the main characters in this show as well. It is set in London. The main character, Orlando Bloom, is a politician who is caught in a scandal 
and he's backed by the prime minister. The prime minister sends his lawyer to him. They, the PR and everything. I mean, of course, they're just, you know, trying to spin this so that he comes out unscathed. And Sienna Miller is plays his wife. They have a few uh, young age children, school age children, and she, her character, deals with it more as a, a professional in the field of politics than actual an actual wife would. She's very forgiving and very ready to support him. I've only watched a couple of episodes. It's pretty good so far. And uh, at first, you don't really know what to, you know, you don't really know what to make of him. And is he really sorry? Or is he not? Or, you know, it's just, there's a lot of different characters with different motives. And it's very interesting. So that is called Anatomy of a Scandal. The second one, I believe I mentioned before, Pachinko. It is on Apple TV Plus, And I still think it is an amazing show. I'm learning about the deeper history of Korean and Japanese culture and their relationships with each other before um, the wars. This, I mean, I think that J- Japan kind of invaded and took over Korea in, around uh, the 1910s, 20s, something like that. And... Um, yeah, it's um it's interesting. It's 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 very interesting to see kind of the background and culture of uh, my heritage. I didn't even realize. I knew that based on history Jap- Japan had taken over uh Korea, but I really didn't know anything in detail like this show is portraying. Um and it's just so well done, and it goes back and forth. Um, uh, this family that starts um, during that time of the um, Japanese takeover, and then to the late mid or late eighties in America, where you know a great grandson of that lineage um, comes back to Japan, Tokyo. Uh, and it's just it's just a really full uh, story with great characters. It's beautiful um, cinematography. Um, and it, if you like to read the subtitles because I, I think it might be dubbed in dubbed in English. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it is. but we, we choose to just have it and done in its original language and reread the subtitles. And it's done in Japanese and Korean languages. So the the blue text is Japanese and the yellow text is Korean. It's um, it's just a really good show. I think it's almost it's probably going to be coming to the end of the season soon. All right, and then there's a another. I think this is pretty newish. This uh, streaming service. It's called Topic, and it has a lot of um, foreign shows, like um, Danish and Swedish, and um, all. I mean, like shows from all over the world. There's American, some American shows in there too. But I love Scandinavian 
watch TV shows. I just, I don't know. It started with, <laughs> it started with the girl with the, um, oh my gosh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, which it was made from a book by Stieg Larsson. And that has since been remade into uh, an American version movie or TV. I, I don't remember his movie or TV show, but this is the, the, the original is the Danish show. Uh, and I also love crime thriller shows, detectives, things that you try to figure out as the show reveals it or doesn't reveal it. And I think that the Danish, Swedish shows do this so well, as well as the UK detective shows. They just, I don't know how they write such complex characters and twists in the plot, but they do it. Uh, it's There's a total of four seasons and then this, the series ended. So I watched all four of the seasons. It's It's one of the best crime detective shows I've ever seen. The main character's name is Saga. She's in Sweden. And the whole premise of this, the bridge, is the bridge that uh, meets the center of the bridge is one side is Denmark and the other side is Sweden. And the first season starts off with a crime where the person who was killed uh, is halfway. There's a yellow line and she's halfway on the the Sweden side and half on the Danish side. So those two police groups have to work together to solve the crime. And so Saga is the Swedish police person and she works with the Danish uh, police detective uh, Martin. He, You'll recognize that character if you watch uh, Killing Eve. He is one of the characters on that show. Uh, but her, her Saga's character uh, is completely. She has no social skills, and it's it's almost like a she's on the spectrum of autism, like Asperger's. I I read a couple of reviews that said that she um, has Asperger syndrome, um, where she doesn't get jokes, and she really just tells tells it like it is all the time, not really realizing that she might be hurting someone's feelings or <laughs> saying too much, TMI, that sort of thing. But it's it's good. The, the actress who plays her is brilliant. She is so, so good. Uh, so anyway, if you like this type of show, you will love this. Uh, the, plot, the plot twists alone will keep your interest from beginning to end. HBO Max... We are watching Tokyo Vice. It's probably on its fourth episode by now, I think. Uh, And this one is set in the 90s in Tokyo. There's a young American journalist from Missouri, and he uh, is working for the biggest newspaper in Japan or media outlet, whatever it it really is. I, I, I don't remember if it's a newspaper or just the media, but... No, it's newspaper because he writes articles Uh, and he speaks fluent Japanese and he's um, pretty confident, but he's young. (laughs) And so he's a rookie at this. But he learns and we also learn about um, 
the relationships between the press, the police, and the Yakuza in Japan. It's very interesting. Uh, it might be too much uh, for some people, but um, it's real, also really well done. On PBS, there is a show that's been going on, uh, airing there. Before It's called Before We Die. This is another crime thriller. I guess that's the, the theme of my recommendations this week are crime thrillers. Uh, this one is a, a UK show, and there is a detective, Hannah. You will recognize this character, too, if you watch any um, amount of... Um, BBC shows like I do, you'll recognize her right away. Well, she is a detective trying to solve the murder of her colleague, and he was also her boyfriend. She uses his confidential informant, and the surprise is when she finds out who this informant is. And that's all I'm going to tell you, because I do not want to spoil it. It is a really great show. Very, very good. Before We Die on PBS. Moving along to YouTube, I looked up that YouTube channel that I couldn't remember last episode uh, of The British Gardener that I really um, uh, like and started watching recently. It's called Grow Veg, and it's all one word, Grow, V-E-G, Grow Veg. I love his channel. I've watched more videos and he has the cutest dog who follows him around and is all curious about what he's planting and what he's doing. Oh, the dog is so cute. Uh, And I love his um, greenhouse. I mentioned that on the last episode too. I just, I die for that greenhouse. I love the wood frame and I love the the style of it and the glass up in the ceiling and uh, the windows on the side halfway halfway down. Oh, it's just, it's heavenly. I really love it. The Another gardening channel that I've been watching for uh, probably two years now is Epic Gardening. This guy is out of California, I believe. And he gives really easy tips uh, on seed growing and container gardening. He does a very good job at showing um, how to do things in the simplest of ways. He is who I watched and um, for starting seeds indoors. And I learned a lot from him and he just made it the process so much easier than I thought it was going to be. So that's called Epic Gardening. And the third gardening channel I have been watching for years, not because I wanted some gardening, you know, uh, info of things that I was going to do, kind of, sort of, but mostly just to drool over her gardens. Uh, the, um, The... people who run this channel, Garden Ants, are a husband and wife team. Laura, she's the one always on the camera, and I believe her husband films um, the the episodes. And she grew up, so they're they're actually in Oregon. It's um, see, this is confusing because when they start putting towns of other places <laughs> into um, other, I don't know. So it, it's Ontario. 
Oregon, not Ontario, Canada, and not Ontario, California. <laughs> Why do they call things Ontario in so many places uh, in North America? I don't know. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so Oregon. And she they have acquired so much property over the years. She grew up and her parents had a seed and garden center called Andrew's Seed. Uh, sorry, Andrew's Seed and Garden Center. So I think they still do that. She ta- They talk a lot about like this, you know, they've ordered this or whatever for the garden centers. So I'm pretty sure it's still a family business that they are also helping to run. Uh, but her channel is focused on her gardens at home. And uh, she, she does anything from growing tomatoes uh, to containers to flower beds. Uh, it's everything. And everything is just so beautiful. Uh, irrigation systems, everything is like beautifully irrigated. And it's just when... Uh, when I first started watching up until recently, I always just thought, oh, that's so nice. It's so nice to be able to do that. And, you know, they have they have access to the plants because they're in the business. And I'm sure they have a lot of help. So, of course, you could have gardens that absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And honestly, there's no way that you could maintain as many gardens as she has just by herself. I just, I don't, there's no way. So anyway, she has people. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself of that because when you start comparing what you can get done versus what you see in front of you in a beautiful video that looks like perfection and just glorious, glorious gardens, that's what you have to, well, that's what I have to remember uh, is that, you know, over here with me, it's just a little tiny property and it's like me myself and maybe my husband sometimes with the gardening. <laughs> um, so you can only get done what you can get done. However, again, her gardens are beautiful. I love watching them. She has a very good presentation style. She does tutorials and shows you how to plant things. And then she doesn't even know everything. And she even tries to plant things. And they sometimes they're put in the wrong spot. And they either get too much light or not enough light. So it's interesting to see how she reveals some of her mistakes. But she does trial and error. And I think that's you know, a lot of what I do too, just to learn, you know, that's how we learn. Uh, so Epic, okay, so to review, Grow Veg, Epic Gardening, and Garden Answer. Those are the three gardening YouTube channels that I recommend. All right, we are ready for the main topic. Embroidery Thread Reviews. I am reviewing certain threads. There's probably a gajillion more brands and types of embroidery threads out there, but these are the ones that I have personally stitched with and uh, stitched with for quite a, you know, quite a while. And so I think that I have enough to give you guys a proper review on these embroidery threads. First, I'm going to talk about the brands and the types of embroidery threads that I tested. 
I tested DMC Pearl Cotton Size 8 and the DMC Six Strand Floss Skeins, the cotton floss. Wonderfill Pearl Egyptian Cotton Size 8, Saju Floss, and it's a cotton floss made in France, Valdani Hand Dyed Pearl Cotton in Size 12, Appleton Wool Cruel Thread, and Sullivan's Six Strand Floss Skeins in Cotton. So now I'll go through each of these brands and I'll talk about um, a little bit about the products that I just listed above. So starting with DMC. DMC is considered a leader in the embroidery thread industry. It's been around since the 1800s and today it's easily found in big box stores and online. Um, it's manufactured in Mulhouse, France. DMC has all different types of threads, embroidery threads, uh, and the pearl cotton ball size eight is equivalent to a three ply, but it is a single thread. So it's not divisible where you can separate the strands of thread like a floss. The Pearl Cotton Ball size 8 has approximately 87 yards, so that's a pretty good amount. Wonderfill Pearl is Egyptian cotton, and I use the size 8. Wonderfill is a Canadian company, and it was started in 1988, and they manufacture all of their thread lines. They make, in addition to their cotton ball embroidery thread, they make all types of threads from size of a three weight to a hundred weight. One of the features Wonderfill lists on their Egyptian pearl cotton is that it is double gassed and mercerized. Most of these threads are mercerized for tensile strength, but I had to look up what double gassed um, meant. And it's basically a process of removing, uh, burning off the lint from the thread, and they do it two times. And then that really, I think that's because it's softer than the DMC thread. It has a really nice, uh, soft feel to it, but it's still very strong. Uh, and it has a, a more satin um, finish to it versus a, a shiny um, sheen to it. And I think Wonderfill is um, widely known for their Decobob thread. It is an 80 weight polyester thread that a lot of um, English paper piecers like to use to stitch their uh, paper piecing together. Uh, and also it has some really good quilting threads. Um, there's a nice variegated fruity uh, thread. Uh, it's called the fruity line, I think. Uh, just a bunch of other threads that I'm sure you may have some of those in your sewing room. Saju floss is a four strand cotton floss. It is not color fast and it is also made in France. This is a newer uh, line of thread for me. I have only been using it for about three months now uh, and 
it um, it's available here in the states. It's just you have to look for it in more of the specialty online shops. Uh, the um, Brooklyn Haberdashery used to sell it, but I just went online there. They sell a whole line of Saju products, um, but I didn't see actual embroidery threads on there. So I don't know if they're just out of stock or um, what's going on there. My bundle of Saju threads I ordered from Emma Jones in the UK, but she is not going to be carrying that thread anymore, so I can't give you that source. Um, I'll see what I can find as far as where you might be able to find the Saju threads, it, and it also may be in your local quilt or stitching shops. Valdani, I used a size 12 pearl cotton, pearl cotton ball. Um, it's two-ply thread. It's made in Romania. Valdani North American is a Canadian-owned company in Edmonton, Canada, and they partner with Valdani in Romania. They have size 5, 8, and 12 uh, pearl cotton ball thread. And it's hand-dyed, mercerized, and colorfast. This is the only thread that um, I have on this review that is hand dyed. Sullivan's floss, uh, I use a six strand uh, floss and it is an Egyptian cotton floss. Sullivan's is an Australian company. They own Sullivan's USA, which is the distributor for North America and some exports. And guess what? It's based right here near me in Downers Grove, Illinois. Who knew? <laughs> this thread is manufactured in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. It's double mercerized, and uh, that is supposed to add tensile strength. Uh, it has a soft sheen and is color fast. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get to my review part. Uh, the last one is Appleton Wool Cruel Thread. And this is called Cruel Thread because cruel is wool. Um, regular embroidery thread is usually made from cotton or, you know, other fibers. They'll have some metallic and cotton mixes, but cruel is always wool. Appleton is a UK-based wool thread company, and... Uh, cruel wool is thicker, it's fluffy, and it's heavier than embroidery thread. It's been around for centuries. And I'll read this um, quote taken from the Appleton Wool website. They say, All our wool is British, from sheep to needle. It comes from the Yorkshire wool markets, and it is also dyed and spun in Yorkshire. The furthest it travels is from Yorkshire to Buckinghamshire before being shipped to you. I thought that was very uh, interesting and informative, and I really like this product, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go ahead and get into my reviews of these threads, starting with DMC. The floss, the six-strand floss, is, is what I've been using from DNC in addition to the pearl cotton ball size eight. So let's start with the six strand floss. 
I do like stitching with this floss and it is highly available almost everywhere. Uh, it's it, it's definitely kind of like the industry leader because it's been around for a couple hundred years. I like stitching with this floss. However, the skeins become messy. Unless I wind them around floss bobbins, they're little, I mean, a lot of them are little cardboard designed for floss. And you just wrap it around that and you can stitch from there, which is a lot easier to pull the thread out than pulling it. Because if you pull the wrong side of the skein, then it gets all bunched up. Um, and uh, similar to yarn skeins, if you knit and crochet, you usually have to like wind those in a ball <laughs> before you start knitting or crocheting with those. But I do like stitching with this floss. It doesn't really tangle uh, as easily. Uh, it has a nice sheen, a big color range, and the price point is good. Uh, so it's just a good everyday, you know, it's a strong thread and highly available. Their pearl cotton ball size eight is also great. That has a really nice sheen and it has 87 yards on it on each cotton ball, which is a really good amount. And uh, it's very strong, again. It's also available in skeins, in 27-yard skeins, but I prefer the cotton balls because you don't have to wrap any yarn around anything else. You just unwrap it from the ball, and it's good to go. Wonderful. I use the size 8 pearl cotton ball. It's really nice to stitch with as well. And actually, I'm going to say all of these threads are pretty good. I don't really have a lot of negatives. There are a couple of downsides that I'll mention, but I haven't really found an inferior thread out of this bunch. Okay, so back to Wonderfill. It's got a softer feel than DMC and has a little bit of a stretch to the thread, but it's still really strong. I tried to break it with my hands and I couldn't. <laughs> uh, but the sheen is a bit more matte than DMC. And again, I, it's softer. So I think it's like a little bit, maybe just a little bit nicer than the DMC. And it has um, it has a nice uh, contemporary color um, palette. Uh, I got mine from the Allison Glass online shop. So... Uh, she had a bundle and these are kind of like her colors, her color palette, which I love. Uh, so that's another thing that I liked about this. The downside to this thread is that there's not very many yards to the cotton ball. It's about half the amount that the DMC cotton balls are. So it's around 47 yards, maybe 45 yards versus 87 from the DMC. All right, the Saju is a floss and it's a four strand cotton floss. This is this is one of the most luxurious silky threads in painterly colors and it's really nice to stitch with. It it really does feel like silk and it looks like silk. It it's just beautiful and the color palette that they have is um, like I said, it's very painterly. It's got those um, kind of pastel hues into jewel tones. 
and it's very nice to work with. And a lot of times I can just stitch just as it is with the four strands. And then other times I will uh, use three or two strands. Uh, so this one is divisible. And when I say divisible versus like the single strand, uh, a reason why maybe you would want to have some floss uh, in your stash is that there are some stitches that you will put the needle up uh, in between the strands, like the, um, the split stitch. It's like a halfway back stitch, a back stitch halfway. I don't know. But basically, you do your stitch, and then when you come back up, you put your needle right in the center of the stitch you just made, and it splits the strands, and you pull your thread up through there, and then you go on to your next stitch. It creates a nice uh, texture and almost like a braided look to your stitching. Uh, so that's one reason to use floss. Another reason is to control the thickness of the threads that you use, because sometimes you might want all six strands. The, I usually use just three strands in general. Uh, and then if you're doing smaller, more fine features, then you'll want um, a two-strand um, floss for that. The other um, embroidery threads that are single are really nice and quick, and there is no separating them. And those come in different uh, size widths as well. Uh, so they're a lot more convenient. And the bigger the number, the bigger the thread. The five is the biggest, the eight is the medium, and the 12 is the fine weight thread. Uh, of the pearl cottons. Uh, so back to Saju, uh, it glides through fabrics really well and it looks amazing. The downsides are price, it's pretty expensive, and it's not color fast. It's one of those notions that are not practical, but it's very beautiful. It makes me happy to stitch with it. And it's kind of the special thread in my stash. I liken it to when you use your good china versus your everyday, let's say, Target or Ikea dishes. <laughs> the china is more delicate and breakable than the sturdy everyday dishes. So that's kind of what I uh, consider this saju thread. It really is beautiful, silky. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, it's just not something that you would stitch, uh, on the everyday item, um, because of the expense and that it is not color fast. Valdani. This is my favorite embroidery thread for practical and aesthetic purposes. I have the size 12. It's a more fine, uh, thickness of a thread than the size eight and it it could be doubled through the needle because it is thin enough that you could probably fit like a double strand thread through it if needed. I don't really do it that often though but this thread is so soft and it's strong but it has a very just beautiful delicate 
sheen. It's like a almost like a satin or matte sheen to it. Whereas the DMC um, pearl cotton has a very high sheen, uh, a little little more shiny. This Valdani is gorgeous, and it is all hand dyed. When things are hand dyed, you get that uh, uneven natural beauty to it. And I have a set of variegated Valdani, Valdani threads. And uh, the transitions are just so subtle and produces really beautiful stitches. Um, so I really highly recommend this thread. It is also very expensive. However, every each cotton ball has 109 yards. That taken into consideration then makes it not as out of price range as you would think. I don't know. I factor that in. I factor the volume of how much, how many yards do you get versus what the price is. And sometimes I'm surprised. And, you know, it's actually sometimes the less expensive ones have the least amount of yardage. Uh, so I do like that they are very generous with the yardage. And uh, again, I love the hand dyeing um, that they use. The colors are really beautiful. And uh, I just I just love this thread. I really do love it. And I, I, I use it all the time. So unlike the Saju, uh, this has the practical and the beauty, aesthetic beauty to it. So I will use it anywhere and everywhere. It's just um, my favorite thread. Sullivan's. Sullivan's is a really great workhorse thread. And it, it's quality. I think that sometimes it's snubbed to DMC. However, uh, in my experience, and I've been stitching with both DMC and Sullivan's for quite a while, the um, the sheen is okay. I think that the a difference would be in sheen uh, and color, not colors. Actually, that's something that I have to point out <laughs> as a, as a strength for Sullivan's. Uh, the price point is excellent. It's a great thread for filler stitches. If you need any sort of quantities, this is a great thread to use because you're not going to break the bank with it, but it's still a nice thread to stitch with. It, I think it does sort of tangle, uh, it, it just tangles more than DMC. It does do that, um, but it's still a decent thread. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say about Sullivan's is that uh, they compete really well with DMC because Sullivan's has only been around since the early 90s. Uh, and the price point is excellent, but I like how they um, have all of the same colors as DMC, which DMC has over 400 colors. And they put, they print the DMC color number with their color number on um, the skeins and the cotton balls. Uh, so I think that's a pretty clever, clever thing to do. Appleton. Appleton is the only wool cruel thread that I've used, and I love, love, love it. 
I always use this wool crewel in embroidery projects. It gives a soft texture and a matte color to the project. It's fluffy. It's a great filler thread. And I like the dimension that it adds when it is uh, combined with other embroidery thread, cotton embroidery threads. Uh, so yeah, I use it a lot. And um, I love the story of Appleton wool and how the wool goes from sheep to needle. Uh, I just, I love wool anything. I love wool yarn, wool fabric, cruel thread. <laughs> um, it's just such a nice fiber and it's a natural fiber. Um, so Appleton cruel wool thread is really great. I have purchased it from uh, Kristen Nicholas. Um, and she has this in her online shop. I'm sure you can find it in other online shops. And for those of you lucky ones in the UK, it's probably everywhere around you uh, because it's from there. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that brings us to the end of my embroidery thread review. I, I mean, there wasn't a lot of drama with this. It's really just... Um, you basically use these threads uh, as far as what you need from them. So if you need a workhorse, I think DMC floss and Sullivan's floss are a good um, way to go. Uh, it, if, and if you need any sort of um, large quantities, if you're doing dense um, embroidery stitching, then um, you would go the way of DMC or Sullivan's. And even with their pearl cotton balls, uh, they have a decent amount of yardage to those as well. The bottom line with this review is that there is a variety of thread types and brands out there uh, from various different price points. They are all pretty much uh, nice to stitch with. Some of them may tangle easier than others. Uh, and I just think that if you want quality and a good price point, DMC is tried and true, lots of colors, a good brand, and has been around for uh, 200 years. Uh, if you want different color palette, then you could go you try Wonderfill. You're not going to get a ton of yardage per cotton ball. Um, and the price is a bit more than DMC. It's kind of like your mid-range of the embroidery threads. And uh, going farther up into the higher priced um, embroidery threads are the Saju and the Valdani. Uh, so if you haven't tried Valdani, I don't know how you say it, Valdani, Valdani, I call it Valdani. Uh, try it. You can buy it by the single cotton ball. You can get, I mean, the color that you use the most. Um, you know, black is used for uh, certain uh, features and um, outlining maybe. Uh, I have that color and I also have a, a small set um, of the variegated in some of the neutral colors and I really love it. Um, I probably will add some more to my uh, embroidery thread 
collection or stash uh, because I just really love that. <laughs> I really love that thread. It is a higher price point. It is an investment, but it's one that I feel good making. So give that a try. If you have any questions, again, leave me a voicemail on the podcast blog page. DM me on Instagram uh, or send an email to info at makeanddecorate.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, and the next episode, I will have a guest, Rhonda Pierce from Euro Notions, and she is going to talk all about Schmetz sewing needles. Enjoy the weekend and take some time to do something creative, sewing, gardening, cooking, whatever it is. Take that time, even if it's 15 minutes, take it for yourself. We all need a bit of creative time. Okay, till next time. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. For extended show notes with links and photos to what we've talked about, visit my podcast blog at makeanddecorate.com. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.